so excited to share with you this morning the words of Jesus and what he has to say to you. And one of the reasons that I'm so excited about this word from Jesus is that it's a word that you don't always hear a whole lot in our day-to-day life and our going about together, and not even a word that you hear that often as we gather together in the Lord's house in a place like this that we call our Savior Lutheran Church. And here's what I'm excited about is through the week, you know, you and I, we can be beat down. We can do things, say things, think things that lead us to come into this place thinking very lowly of ourselves. Sometimes even it can be because of things that our spouse or child says to us or we say to them. And sometimes we can all admit that we aren't always the best encouragers in our homes and in our relationships. And so we can come in here feeling pretty beat up and then feeling that way, you're coming into a Lutheran service which always loves to remind you how pitiful you are, right? And so we cover all the bases. If you didn't feel sad, the goal is that you should walk away feeling sad because you're a sinner. Well... What makes me excited about the words of Jesus today is he has a very different gospel word to say to you. Sure, there is that word of gospel that forgives you your sins, but there's also that gospel word that recreates you and says that you are something very different than you once were. That's the gospel message we have before us in the gospel reading So we're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, and what we rejoice in knowing is that the Beatitudes that came before our sermon text, they remind us that as we come to faith in Christ, we are elevated in all of these ways. And so the Beatitudes are just great gospel blessings spoken into your life and mine through God's grace given to us. And in faith, we know that this is true. So Jesus now... In the words that he has to say to you today in the gospel reading, you've already been converted, you've been baptized, and now Jesus wants you to know certain things about you and what it means to be his disciple and who you have been recreated to be in this world. Matthew 5, 13 to 16, you, Jesus says are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, on account of his work in your life, you are that which is to salt this world. Jesus says, on account of your coming to faith in him, you are to be that which lights 
this dark world. Jesus says, as a result of your baptism, you're not going to build a city on a hill. No, you are transferred and you live on a city on a hill that shines forth its light. Jesus says, you are baptized and converted and you are made to be a light that is never intended to be covered in the world, but is intended to do that which light does, which is give light to everyone in the room. This is what you are. You don't make yourself to be this. You can't try to keep this. This is what Jesus gives to you, and it is the ongoing work of God's baptism in your life. Conversion isn't a one-time event. It's an ongoing thing where God does an incredible thing in your life. Now, here's where we have this big disconnect as Lutherans so often is we have no problem holding out to the world how we're saved through God's gift in Christ. We have no problem telling all the world it's not through anything we do. It's all by God's grace through faith in Christ. And this is true. That's how we're saved. But here's where Lutherans struggle. Jesus tells us we're converted for a very specific purpose in this world. And Lutherans sometimes struggle because we say, well, you know, because of the ongoing effects of our sinful nature and it being at work in our lives, we're never really going to be able to be his salt and his light. All we can do as good Lutherans is just simply confess of how big of failures we are all the time. And it's almost like we celebrate how we're saved, and then we say, I'm baptized, but I don't expect to see any differences in my life. But I'm going to go back and dote on the gift of baptism, which leads me to do absolutely nothing. That's wrong. Somehow, that's how we talk about it, but it's wrong. Jesus says, you are the light. You are the salt. In other words, you are the ones that he places near to others to speak a truth to them. A truth that may be repent and turn to the Lord for the forgiveness that you so desperately need. It might be that he has left you in that situation to be the light so that you might do a good thing for someone else and then you point with your finger to your Father who is in heaven and you acknowledge that I probably wouldn't have done this great light and good work for you had it not been for him and his making me and enabling me to live toward you in this way. Now, before you think I should lose my Lutheran card for talking in this way, it's always good to show you proof from the Scriptures so that you don't take me at my word. And so I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke 19, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 9. And what you're going to see is that this story is the portal for blowing open the words of Jesus in chapter 5, verses 13 to 16 of Matthew's Gospel. In other words, this is what it looks like that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 13. If you want to see what it looks like on a day-to-day -day practical level, this story is it. 
Luke 19, 1 to 9. Now, you remember the story of Zacchaeus, right? Everyone remember Zacchaeus? What can we remember about Zacchaeus off the top of our heads? He was what? We little man, right? We know the song, and we know that when kids sing the song, they love nothing more than the bossy part. When Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you what? Come down, right? The kids love that bossy part and getting to sing that part of the song. So we know that uh, he's a short fella. He likes to climb trees. No, not really. He's just climbing trees so that he can see because he's short, right? We know that he is a tax collector, and all you really need to remember about that is they were liked as much then as they are today, okay? Uh, although, well, I guess you couldn't even make that case. I was going to say they might be richer then than they are today, but that might not be true. But that's what we remember about Zacchaeus. What we often forget about Zacchaeus is the rest of the story. We forget that conversion leads to transformation, leads to a changed life, going back into this world to live in a different way than you lived before your conversion. So, verse 1, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. That's translated in the NIV to he was a wee little man. (laughs) Verse 4, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass by that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, That would be kind of us in that day. They all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And I have defrauded, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is Matthew 13, or Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 16. Zacchaeus had a father, and the father prior to his conversion is the same father for everybody, the father of lies, the devil. And so Zacchaeus, prior to this conversion that happens with Jesus coming to his house, prior to this, he does what many non-believing tax collectors did. He cheats the people, he threatens them, he scares them, and in so doing, makes himself richer. 
He collects more than he needs to collect from the people and has done very well for himself by cheating them and listening to his father, the father of lies in the world. Jesus comes to his house. Zacchaeus is converted. It says, Jesus says it himself, today salvation has come to this house. And we see Zacchaeus stand up and say some things to the Lord, not that the Lord asked him to do, not that the Lord made him do, but the things that spontaneously flow out of his being converted and transformed. And Zacchaeus says something that a tax collector in the first century never says. Up to half of my wealth, 50% of all that I have, I'm going to give to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, which is probably very true, I will pay them back four times what I took from them. In other words, I am all of a sudden going to be, on account of Christ, a tax collector who lives in this world with salt in life, I am going to move forward from this point forward truthfully, and I am going to do good things that give praise to who my new father is, that is, my heavenly father, no longer the father of lies, the devil, and I'm going to live differently as a tax collector. Now, from this day forward, I bet Zacchaeus was the one tax collector everybody wanted. Why? Because he had been transformed. How? By the love and grace of Jesus Christ. In what way? That he would be honest, that he would rise above those who, who took advantage of others like he used to, that he would do good things for those who need things. He would be a light to them. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to say to you, many of us live under this medieval way of thinking that says, you know, the real important vocations in the world are like pastors, nuns, priests, monks, and all of these sorts of things. And one of the joys of the Reformation, apart from recovering the gospel, was realizing, no, guess what, folks? The Bible says all of our vocations, whatever the ones that God has given you, all of them are of equal importance and significant in the kingdom of God on earth. Mine's not any holier than yours, nor is yours any holier than mine. You and I are both called to live in extraordinary ways in the vocations that he has given to us. All of them are holy and good, but here's the thing. He hasn't called us to live out these vocations in just ordinary ways, but extraordinary ways. In a way that's different because Christ lives in you. You are a baptized husband or wife. What does this mean? This means that you, as a baptized husband and wife, can reconcile things that happen in your marriage that other marriages find irreconcilable. It doesn't mean because you're baptized in Christ you have the perfect marriage. It means you know what to do when you sin against one another. And it means that you live in a marriage that no one can pull it apart. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And that includes your own personal sin. 
To live as a baptized husband and wife means to live very differently with a grace-filled posture toward one another. To live as salt and light as a baptized child in God means that you live as a remarkable neighbor and employee. It means this, that when you put your house up for sale and you pack the last box on the U-Haul, it means that people in your neighborhood aren't throwing a party because you're leaving. It means when you find a new job and the Lord puts one before you and you leave the company you work for and you go to a new company, it doesn't mean that they have a party after the party of sending you off saying, thank God he's gone. Which is often the parties that take place when pastors leave. (laughs) Trust me, I know they had one in Lubbock and they didn't invite me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We are to be remarkable. Not just an average neighbor that anyone can be, whether they know Christ or not, but we should be set apart and different because our Lord, through His grace, has made us to be salt and light. I'll leave you with one very personal gospel example of what this looks like, and I won't use his name, though some of you will know who I'm talking about. Uh, And I'm only not using his name because... I didn't ask him permission to share the story. Uh, So I want to tell you about a good gospel example of what this looks like. And and one of the examples is my own doctor. And I went to my doctor almost a year ago to the date. And I was having some unexplained dizziness and all sorts of things that were being problematic for me in my day-to-day life, extremely problematic on Sunday mornings. Also the reason why I went from preaching out there to in here so I didn't fall uh, out there. I would have something to cling on to and Thompson knows to get up quick if I start going back this way. (laughs) So I share all of this with him and he does what a doctor does. He meets with me, he takes tests, he does blood work, he sends me to other doctors, to other specialists. And he does all the things that any doctor would possibly do, regardless of whether they believe in Jesus or not. And he tells me the results like any doctor would. But here's where he was salt in my life as his vocation of doctor. Not only was there a medical diagnosis, But there was also a moment that my wife could witness too that he called me to repentance. Called me and said, you know what? You need to repent of your sinful pride that leads you to think that you can be everything to everyone. You need to repent and remind yourself that you're not Jesus, you point to him. That's salt. That's why Jesus has left us in the world, so that we might have people who are friends close enough to speak truth when the truth needs to be spoken, so that we might be restored by the grace that we have in Christ. We have members here who know how much I hate to do work on my sprinkler system. 
I know how to do it. I'm capable of doing it, but I loathe them. And when I hit a sprinkler with a mower, I say things that I have to confess as sin in here on Sunday mornings. But we've had members who, I guess, don't mind doing those things near as much as I do. They've just shown up at my house before hearing me whine and complain in church and fixed it. They were simply a light, and they simply did this thing for no other reason than we have a Heavenly Father who leads us to be a light in a dark world. I know that they were there because of their love for God, not just because they were nice people. I know that they see us as part of a greater family in this place. Brothers and sisters, you are salt. You are light. And it's a good thing. And the world needs more of it. How about you... Be salt and light this week. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, so many times we can be beat down by our own sins, our own mistakes, by the devil's voice that tells us we will never amount to anything and that we can't be used by our Lord for anything because of our sinfulness. And Lord, we know that that is the devil talking. We know that it is a lie, and we know that you have come to us in grace and forgiveness so that we might become salt. You create us to be salt. You make us to be light, and we feed on your gifts as we will receive the Lord's Supper. And it's this very meal that remakes us as salt and light in this world. And so, Lord, we know that this great gospel that you have spoken over us is also the source and the strength for us to be what you have called us to be and what you have called all your disciples to be in this world. Lord, we thank you for supplying the strength and the gift of the Spirit so that we might be all that you have made us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.